Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The First Time. Okay, so as it's the first episode, I guess we should set the scene. You walk into a bar, your friend orders you a beer, puts it in front of you and says, try this. You take a sip and the whole landscape of what you thought about beer suddenly shifts. The first time. Or, because we love a terrible pun, the first time. Maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, maybe it was a little bit more gradual, but there is always a beginning. The aim of the first time is to take a deep dive into that exact moment and the steps that came after to show you the trajectory of some of the most creative, boundary pushing, innovative and generally just all round great people in the industry today and how that moment was the first step in the career they now find themselves in. I am your host, Stefan Melbourne from Track Brewing Co in Manchester and I've had the absolute pleasure of working in this industry for around the last five or six years. And throughout that time, I've always been intrigued by the stories of the people behind the curtain. It's not uncommon to hear about people taking complete pivots in their professional journeys to pursue a dream or an idea that may even leave them financially worse off. I also know that every person listening to this has probably had that moment. So, to the first episode. Today's guest is Anthony Totten from Finn McBrury Best Out in Queens. If you've ever been to a festival where these guys are pouring, uh, the likelihood is you've come across this man and it's very likely that his warmth and charisma have left an indelible mark. It was great to catch up to this guy and I really couldn't have thought of a better first guest to have, partly because I knew he was patient enough to deal with my total lack of experience doing anything like this. So let's dive in. We started out, as we will do every episode, by asking what that first time was for him. Oh man, so like, it probably happened in phases, man. But uh, but every time I think about it, when I think about you know making the the switch and 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 just realizing there was another level, mm-hmm. was probably Dogfish Head ninety minute IPA. Amazing. And uh, I was working in a restaurant. I was probably I was already like kind of like flirting with craft beer, you know, like you know because I grew up drinking the Heineken and the Coronas. But uh, then getting into college, you know, I started like trying to get a little more crafty. And the the Sam Adams and stuff yeah. came, and, you know. So it was, you know, I try to be consciously, but I didn't know, I didn't really know anything about craft beer. And what kind of what, what what kind of time is this? So this is probably all right. So we're looking at probably 2006. Yeah, 2006. So about 2006, 2007. That's crazy. Um, 14 years ago. It's, yeah, it's so nuts talking about like the beer scene in America 14 years ago. It, was, it, it was nuts. Yeah. It wasn't even anything, it, nothing like it was now. I'll tell you that much, man. Literally at that point, it was only a few like major players and major breweries that were like, like Sam Adams, like, you know, it was at that point in time was like kind of like the American craft brewery. You know, they mm-hmm. were like rebranding, you know, and, and doing the things like trying to be like that introductory, like craft beer guy. So you had your Sierra Nevadas, you know, you, you, you had founders, you had bells, you know, you had those like staple, I think you had, you had dogfish was around, you had troves. Um, so you had these breweries that were around. Um, but Sam Adams, you know, at, at that point in time was kind of saying, Hey, like, if you want to drink craft beer, then, uh, uh, we're going to like, we're going to like be the like introductory craft beer guys. And was that like just that, their lager that they were? Uh, it was Boston lager was kind of like yeah. the first one. And then shortly behind Boston lager was, was, um, was, uh, October fast. And yeah. you know, they, the, the way they, they were, they like kind of jumped into the market was like, 
if you want to be a craft beer guy, then when you go into the grocery store, grab yourself some Sam Adams. But because um, isn't that, that kind of crazy that like the the craft beer was just you know because that was like a Vienna lager basically, isn't it? So it's yeah. just something yep. that was a European model shipped yep. over and then sold as craft, which like yep, it feels so. And the same thing Brooklyn Brewery did. Brooklyn Brewery, yep. you know, same thing Vienna lager, which is you know Brooklyn lager, mm-hmm. you know, same same kind of style. And it's funny you know, to laugh now, but you look back at it, you know, having craft lagers be like the thing to like yeah the know, gateway. Like, like the gateway was crazy, but, uh, you know, so I, you know, I was drinking Boston lager and, you know, and, and drinking, you know, Brooklyn lager. And it was kind of like, all right, these are like maltier, bigger beers. And, you know, and then I got my hands on, you know, some, some of the Sierra Nevada, early Sierra Nevada sound and stuff. I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like I get it, you know? Um, and then working at this restaurant, man, we, uh, at that point in time, you know, it was still all bottled and packaged mm-hmm. beer. And then working at this restaurant, um, uh, polished casual restaurant called Bonefish Grill, which is the same umbrella as Outback Steakhouse, but this was their like you know fish restaurant, seafood restaurant. Yeah. And I got I love a job. To act like I know what what they are, but I don't know what they are. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Outback is like a, a, a American steakhouse chain. You yeah. know, like not really good, but like everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, and everyone goes. So like like Longhorn, you probably have Longhorn. I think Longhorn is uh, over there, or Texas, yeah, yeah. or Texas Roadhouse or something. You're talking to you a vegetarian, have, so I'm way off the. Uh, well, off obviously, the- <laughs> as well, same here. But um, so you had uh, so yeah, I'm working at this restaurant, and uh, they have Dogfish Head 90 minute IPA on tap, and I heard of Dogfish Head, and you know I probably had some Dogfish Head beers before, but like I remember like. You know, one day at the restaurant, like I came in to eat, or I'm like at post post shift, I'm like having a beer. I like go to have a beer, and, and the bartender's like, "Yo, drink this." Boom, pours me up a ninety minute. And I remember like halfway through thinking, "Damn, like that's good." You know, like this is this is a very good beer. And I remember it became my go to. It became like me yeah. at work. You know, like it was like, all right. Now I'm gonna go find this at the grocery store. Now I bought me some bottles of, of ninety minute. And then it was like, all right, well, if this is good and and I like this, and you know, now I'm gonna drink their sixty minute. And I'm gonna drink. Uh, and then they come out with 120 and I'm give me the 120. And, you and know, this is like, for people that don't know, because I remember this is crazy because you're saying that this is like 14 years ago. This, and is, I remember, this is 2006, 2007. So I, I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine when I was working at a bar and he was telling me about 90 minute as if it was this brand new thing. And that was only probably six years ago. So it all had been already been on the American market for like 10 easy, years. Let me see what year did it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it. What year? <laughs> did they make and, and the and the concept behind those beers was that they were hopped for that long weren't they it was like yeah so the like, hopping schedule was like 90 minutes yeah so we said 90 minutes was like oh they were they were ultimately hops in the boil for 90 minutes you know and then hops in the boil for 60 minutes mm-hmm. you're adding hops for 90 minutes you're adding hops for 60 minutes in the boil so that's what they were doing it did dogfish head let's see dogfish head dogfish they had 90 minute come out 90 minute come out all right uh so yeah 90 minute came out in april 2001 so so it'd been on the scene a little while before uh, but yeah but it but you know but I, but I think at that time it was like a seasonal release it wasn't something regularly regularly available yeah and then by like when i had it and i'm you're talking about like 2000 you know 2006 2007 i'm working at this restaurant and like I'm drinking on tap because I probably, 
you know, like I said, I knew about dogfish and I'd probably had, you know, their, their, their beers before, um, you know, and I was, you know, Sam Adams and Founders in Sierra Nevada. Like it was like, like it was like a treat. You know, yeah. if I'm, I'm going to grab beer, oh, I'm going to grab something fancy. But at that point, I'm still buying Heineken. You yeah. know, I'm still like filling my fridge with Heineken. I'm still buying Coronas. You know, it was like at that point it was, you know, crappy. And if I was going to do something craft, it was like, all right, let me get a 12 pack of Heineken and a, and a six pack of bottles of this little craft beer. Yeah. You know, so um, and then I just like made a decision. It was like drinking 90 minute and was just like, all right, this is fire. I want this. Um, I'm going to like drink this as much of it as possible. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, like drinking a lot of beer at work. And after and post shift and, you know, then a, me and my buddy, which is like, you know, it became a thing to me. Now, when I go out to a store or a supermarket, I, I'm trying to find the next craft thing. And I mm-hmm. oh, you know what? I had this. I had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, but let me try this seasonal one that's out. And all right, you know what? I had this. All right. Or oh, they came out. I, I, I'm not big on stouts. I've only stout I really had at that time. It was probably Guinness. But you know what? Let me try this. And like, you know, it took a while. But um, if I go back and think about that first beard and like. Like said, all right, you like craft beers. Like I would say, it's definitely Dogfish at ninety minute, and then the second wave is probably um, Hop Slam from Bell's. Okay. Um, so Bell's Two Hearted. I know you know Bell's Two Hearted, one of those yeah. big uh, West Coast. Uh, I think it's all Centennial Hop Bombs. And I was and like, because then- I've been thinking about like obviously this question for the concept of this like mm-hmm. podcast interview thing, and I was I was thinking I was like was it just the beer that kind of changed it or was it the conversation that came with it? Like when you, when that bartender gave you that beer? Um, you, know, was- I, you know what? I think it, it happened for me. Like it probably happened in, in phases because like I didn't take the whole, and I think this is still evolving, right? Mm-hmm. The whole conversation around craft beer is like still evolving. You know, like even at, you know, this at beer festival, when we're pouring for people, you have people there at, at beer festivals that are not beer geeks. You know, they just, you know, saw that it was a beer festival and like they like beer, but they yeah. may not be that knowledgeable about it, but they want to come to the festival, just be there. And some people are still there to get drunk. And then you have your, your super beer geeks. So I think the conversation itself has kind of grown and kind of evolved and is steadily evolving. Yeah. But at that point, at that point in my life, you know, you know, I wasn't having conversations. I didn't understand, you know, hops and, and profiles and, 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 yeah. and, and, yeah, I don't mean it even as like a detailed kind of description. I just mean that it was something different to ordering your normal beer. And it almost like, because it's so funny that you say like Sierra Nevada and things, because that was kind of one of the first ones to hit the UK market. And I remember having, you know, like a half an hour conversation with a barman where he was like presenting this bottle of Sierra Nevada to me and saying like, oh, it's 450 a bottle though, but this thing and then going through it and it's hoppy. And, you know, at that time, you know, it was, whatever's cheap and lagerish I will drink <laughs> and it wasn't mm-hmm. but this guy you know he kind of engaged and we engaged about about the beer and then I don't know it became something slightly more than than just ordering a drink so I wondered yeah. if it was kind of similar and this is like a 10 it's probably a 10 year gap between but what was um so so what like so like you growing up and I would say this the mm-hmm. you know over in the UK you guys you, you're drinking earlier than we are you know yeah. so so you're 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 starting especially with the beer i think beer at one point was probably bigger um in the uk because you know having a pint you know that's like part of the culture and growing totally. up yeah. and here here is, is not that you mm-hmm. know it's like you, know, you might drink some beer um but you know it's not a thing you know like you're drinking beer to wash down the alcohol you know to yeah. wash down the shot you just took and i grew up 
you know, here in New York, it was, you know, everyone was, it was, it was, you know, everyone was drinking vodka and, and whiskey and, and, and Hennessy and, and, and whatever the case may be like, you know, so, and, you know, and then uh, the craft beer thing, you know, even in, when I was getting into it in college was still kind of like, what, bro, you weird, you know, yeah. like what, what, what do you mean craft beer? No one cares. Pass me a Heineken, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and that's how I went for a while. And, you know, it's so funny because like the company I kept, I'd go out and you talking about, when I got into it, I had been to it for a little bit. We'd go out and, you know, buy some Sam Adams and some Dogfish and some Sierra. And you put these beers in the refrigerator. And then you'd also have the Heinekens in there. And the Heinekens were the first thing that was gone, you know. And the only way somebody was going to grab one of, you know, the, the craftier brews was because the stuff that they knew to, the the the, the Bud, Budweiser and the Heineken and the Corona stuff, wasn't everyone had drank all that already. Mm-hmm. So now it's the exact opposite you know and i don't have a heineken or a corona or a bud light anything in my fridge but had had i had one and, and invited people over it'd be the last thing in there yeah and i think that it it just kind of morphed and evolved into this whole thing that you know i didn't see it coming i didn't you know if you would ask me 10 years ago hey you know you think you're gonna go work for a brewery and work in craft beer i'd say you crazy as hell I'm yeah working you mean working beer like what, what work is there to do in beer and um you know, I the, you know, my thing kind of just happened, you know, naturally. It was working in a restaurant and, you know, being able to be exposed to more. And then you, you get on the management level and I'm, I'm able to be a be a buyer. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, now I'm responsible for putting together a beer list. And I'm like, well. So you communicate, starting to communicate with like little independent breweries and trying yeah, to find that kind so of niche. It started, it started in, in when I first moved back to North Carolina, excuse me, to New York in 2010. You know, now I'm in a management, you know, role and a corporate trainer. And, you know, it's like these reps would come into the restaurant and they're like, oh, man, try this beer. And I'm like, all right, you know, I can try some beer. And, and I was into craft beer. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't a lead passion of mine. Yeah. You know, like I, if I would lead to work, if I left work and wanted a beer and, and the bar next door had a blue moon or or high, whatever, I would go there. I wasn't choosing where I was drinking based on the quality of beer that they had. Totally. And um you know, being back in New York, um, and I would say in 2010 is when the beer scene really started to kind of like, like develop. So I think you had Barrier had just come online. Uh, in With money, money IPA. Yep, money, yeah, money, money. Was I mean, and I was like, first time I had the money, I'm like, oh, this is banging, and it's yeah. most made. It's made here in New York. Oh, I can support local. So every time I saw Barrier Money on tap, I was drinking that, and then, um, you know. I'm back in New York and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, t- I take a tap list, you know, from Bud Light and, and, and Blue Moon and, and Guinness and, and all of the, the Sam Adams brands to, all right, now let's go get, let's bring in some Sierra Nevada. Let's, let's, let's have Bells, let's have Founders. And then, you know, I'm, I was drinking Founders, uh, KBS was kind of that first stout. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I got to well, hunt that down. It's so funny because these are the, the kind of pretty much the exact same beers that kind of hit the, the UK shows that kind of sent shockwaves through uh, drinkers, but but at a totally different time, like five, six years later. Um, but I'm just kind of interested in... What I was mean, your first like, beer though? What was your, you got to get, you got to give me yours. Oh, okay. So like, I think, because I have been thinking about this a lot and there was, there was beers that kind of led me in and then there was a beer that just kind of like totally took the foundation of what I thought beer could be away, which was like it was a 750 bottle of um Nelson Sovan uh by Mikola, like a barrel aged. Okay. And it okay. and it it was like this kind of champagne 
it's so weird i wouldn't I, i'd be so interested to try it now because i haven't tried it for like five or six years but it it just shifted the landscape of what i thought beer was and how it could be produced mm-hmm. and then that was the kind of gateway into all of these others that came after mm-hmm. it and just the exploration of kind of uh palette and you know diving deep into like belgian beers and all this kind of stuff so I, you know, you, i remember my first the first time i had uh chimay yeah. i remember the first time i had orval orval um because they were quite prevalent because obviously we're you know we're close so yeah. you know you could pick right. them up in the supermarket Yep, and then uh, and then uh, you know, then you talk about Oma Gang, um, Oma Gang here upstate New York. You know, they their whole thing was to be you know Belgian style beers, and then Allagash was making a bunch of you know Belgian styles. So like just being that exploration and just trying different things, just kind of you realize, oh, there's like more than like there's so much more than you know IPA, so much more than. And it took a while because I was like, I, if I'm gonna drink craft beer, it's gonna be IPA, you yeah. know, and double IPAs. That's that's what I'm drinking. Yeah, and no, no, I don't want your sour. I don't want that. You know, no, I don't want. Do you remember the first? Do you remember like? Did you have like a a gers? The first gers uh-huh. you ever tried? Because it it was like I nearly spat it out because I was just like, what? yeah, I was like vinegar. I, th- I thought yeah. my first couple times with sours was like, oh man, this is <laughs> good. I don't know why anybody would drink this. It's like, like it it it, it makes it like stings the back of my throat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like so acidic. Like why? Like I'm not a big champagne drinker either, and I'm like, I don't really get this. Like, all right, I don't want that. Oh, what's that sour? No thanks. And um, then I remember having a couple of uh, beers from Degard. Yeah. Um, a couple sides. I was late. You know, probably sours probably took the the longest to get to. But I remember, like, I remember some Cantillon, some early Cantillon stuff, and and being all over that, and 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 some Dre Fontaine, and thinking, oh, these are good beers, and and I get it. And the goose is, I I kind of got it, but it was like that's not my thing. Like, yeah so this the whole it's funny because like the the whole premise of this thing is like the the first time but really there are so many first times first time so many first times so many first, like, first I know there's like the one that kind of changes and that just leads you in but then like I say the first time you try a girls or something or the first time you try uh well just like a, a double IPA like it's it would be if I tried that five or six years ago I'd be like what I don't even know if my palate would have been able to handle it. Like there's yep. so much flavor, yep. um, which is kind of what I wanted to dive into as well, which is that like how we've evolved as drinkers to how we've evolved as brewers. Um, Cause I, you'll never get that palate back that first of that first sip of beer. And it's so developed now and there's so much different styles and there's so many different hot varieties that it's hard. So many to, different ways to play with them, and yeah, and you know whether whether something's done as, as a single IPA or a double mm-hmm. IPA or a triple IPA, and, and ultimately who's brewing it? Because that's yeah. one thing. Like you, you, we look at this new, um, we look at this, uh, this, this most recent altogether, you know, initiative, and I yeah, think it's same so beautiful. it's yeah. so beautiful for what it stood for and the cause and, and bringing the, the beer community together and and everybody rallying around each other. It's so awesome. But, but, but you know me. You know, you know, I've had what 10, 15 different different of the of the altogether beers. And like it's so crazy how different they are. Yeah. When the premise is the, the recipe was ultimately the same, you know, and yeah. everyone has their own little tweak. And then, you know, some people here that you know and 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 who did a uh, a blind tasting is uh, uh uh some friends 
and uh, also big, big Instagram uh, beer people and influencers. But they they got their hands on a, a bunch of them and, and did a blind tasting. They got some like, of that. Oh, Someone got some of ours over in New York, and I don't know yeah. how that happened, but it was. Yeah, they got some blonde. They got some blonde yeah. ones over. You should send it. You should if you if you send some beer over, I'll make sure Jerris uh, and other have gets one because he's like yeah. collecting them, and his plan is to like. Oh, he got get, one. He he put it up. He did yeah, get one. I, I don't think he got one yet, but if you send one over, okay. I'll definitely make sure he gets one. Uh, a couple of them because he's he, his plan is to get as many of them as possible originally you know he, he threw the idea i was like you know uh yeah if i can get it you know if i get i'm like oh man, he's like oh 100 breweries are gonna do it and i'm like oh 100 breweries i'm like bro you'd be lucky if you get like yeah he's like i'm gonna get all of them and i'm like yo 100 breweries like how i mean when you got 60 you know? <laughs> and, then, and then we'll start people people might not know what the altogether thing was but like there is some incredible things that have come out of a pretty destructive and i mean i know you guys are feeling it hard in new york but um one of the big things especially in the beer world was the altogether thing that uh set up by other half um i don't know if you want to dive into a bit about the concept yeah so um in you know new york was hit pretty hard uh you mm -hmm. know we we quickly became the epicenter of you know the coronavirus COVID nineteen uh, situation, um, just because of how heavily populated we are. You know, and you know New York is is there's so many people here that live on top of each other and in close proximity to each other that you know if this this once this virus actually became a threat, like obviously New York City was going to be hit pretty hard. Um, so when it happened, you know, you know when they closed restaurants. You know, and and they closed restaurants, and of course we find out that you no know, more tap rooms, and you know other half, you know they uh you know launched this initiative. They say, you know what, we want to uh you know bring breweries together and support the hospitality industry, you know during these times because you know a lot, so many people rely. You, you think about the hospitality industry, you know people are making tips, you know. In the your bar your hospitality industry is totally different to the UK. Like, yeah. I imagine yeah. a lot of people have probably visited America and stuff, but you guys live off. Like service is so people front live and on it. People live on like people. The tips make the the wages. That's it. And with no restaurants open, you're not working. And mm -hmm. then you know it, it, it's a little more difficult too because then you talk about like with the unemployment and 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 you know some of the people, so many other people in, in in the hospitality industry, like they're they're not really you know employed the right way because it's such a you know if you're making tips or you're making off the books and it's like oh I'm not claiming my tips so like I might make them a, a small little hourly but all that money I'm making tips is what I use to pay my rent, but I yeah. can't show the government that I'm making that money because I haven't been claiming it. And there's so many different things that like, can affect it. So other half launched this initiative to kind of to, to support hospitality professionals. And they said, Hey, we're going to, here's a recipe. The name of the beer is called all together, the artwork, the recipe, we want everybody to like kind of jump in It's worldwide collaboration mm -hmm. and they kind of kick this thing off. And it has been, amazing to see how it's many like wildfire it, it was so crazy I like think, i think it's close to close 700? to 700 700 yep. breweries have done it um internationally so uh i think it's amazing mm -hmm. and it kind of just it kind of just gave everybody a purpose of connectivity and i think it's been awesome and it's been something that's yep. never been done before but i'm pretty sure that it won't be the last of something like this to kind of just bring everybody together so yeah i mean us doing like this like there's so many things that have come out of this moment um and you know, I don't want to dress it with like positivity because there's so much devastation as well. But like yeah. that, and the, like us, us being having like conversations like this on the internet, and yeah. you know, getting to because the only time we'd ever do this would be festivals. That's the Festival, only time you're going to see hanging people. out. Yeah, man. And, um, but the other highlight of that altogether in a total kind of like experimental brew world is yeah, everyone was given the same recipe. 
So, yeah. you know, when I've done any kind of like brutage uh, and people have bobbed in, it's like the fundamentals of brewing a beer are so simple. It's like mm -hmm. four ingredients, you know, there's mm -hmm. water, mm -hmm. yeast, grain, hops, mm -hmm. pretty much. But then it's infinite what you can it's, do with that. You do with it. It's, it's yeah. your dry hopping schedule and how sanitary you are. Mm -hmm. And and it, are you testing for all flavors and how yeah. early are you testing for all flavors and how, how well do you carbonate your beer and how much tank time? You know, you got some people that turn the beer around in two weeks. Some people take three weeks. Some people mm -hmm. take a little bit longer. And it's so many different things and and and, and, and that differentiate you know, how a beer turns out. Cause like you, you could take a, you know, take recipes and ultimately have the same exact ingredient and you get two different products. Totally. And it's, it's, it's amazing to have, to be able to have, to see these and to try a beer from, from, from one brewery and be like, Oh, I like that. That's good. And try it from somewhere else. And, you know, to see that everybody's beer is, there's so many variables, even if everything is the same. So, Full disclaimer here, me and Anthony aren't actually brewers. You may have realized this by now. We don't brew the beer that gets served in your glass, but we are, however, incredibly passionate about every process that goes into it. We dig in a little here about what we think makes the difference. Uh, shout out to our future guest, Corey Smith, as well, for his incredible new project that we reference called Closed Open. This is Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time, and you are listening to our interview with Anthony Totten from Finback Brewery. But you, I mean, you, me, me and you have a kind of similar role is that we're not actually brewers. We, yeah. We're kind of like, I don't know, we try and test like a consumer would test or something when you're trying the beers out of the tank. But you understand the whole process. You understand the slight, the slight variables that uh, entail yeah. like making a beer. And um, but I think, I, think I, mean, I, still, I just never not get excited about that. Like just a slight yeah. malt difference yeah. or something like that. I know that people. But it's, that's, one of the first things that I, that's one of the first things that I, 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 that I noticed about you when we met and we were hanging out and we were drinking is that how passionate and how much detail that you put on that. So like, mm -hmm. you know, some people go out and, you know, and you know this how it is. Some people just they have to be drinking. You know, and that's cool. Not, like that's totally cool. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know, but, you know, you and I were able to connect on it because like, you know, we grab a beer and it's like, is good you know but yeah. but in our heads we're thinking all right like you know like i want it to be better you know and i think that you know you 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 kind of bring that presence you know and and and, and voice you know and, and accountability because like you you want to be proud of everything that you guys totally. make in, in the same year you may not be back there actually brewing it but your 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 passion and the work that you put in it it it, it carries over you know, and, and vice versa to make sure that you're putting something, you know, that's, that's dope out there, you know? So like we may not be making the beer, but our roles are, are just as significant and important because, you know, without somebody on the front lines to, to, to stand up for it and to, and to represent for that beer, that good beer gets overlooked. So but also, and it's the conversations that you're having in the brewery. Like I know that I've absolutely done <laughs> our brewers heads in many, many times of just like going like, yeast it's all yeast it's the, we need to change the yeast or do you know and the guys know what they're doing man they, but like i love I think, all I the guys now i think what you guys do man on, on that kit that you guys have <laughs> impressive yeah i don't know if people really know like uh we've never really opened up about our facility but uh we, when we had green cheek and bob over mitch who mm -hmm. brews for Bruce for Green Cheek just looked at me. He was like, "So basically, you guys just have a homebrew kit." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and that's just down to the dedication and craft of the guys on the brew kit that they they yeah. they ride that thing we call it a morris minor because it's just it's yeah. all old and ricky it's the same kit we had when we were brewing like two batches of cask beer a week mm-hmm. um but but you know and and when we came to new york and you, the first thing you did when you came into the brewery was go around to each tank like try a sample see what's in it talk about it like mm-hmm. and that passion and and you know, you are the face that we met at a festival and I know that a lot of people who are probably going to watch this and listen to it have met you at festivals and you carry, you know, the, the excellence that is put into that beer, you present it, you're the waiter who's going to serve it to a person. And I don't know, I got thinking quite a lot because I read our mutual friend, Corey, um, Corey Smith. Yeah, yeah, he's just an, an incredible piece for good beer hunting. Uh, uh, CPH beer oh, guy. Yeah, I, I don't even know <laughs> if it is for good beer hunting, but he's done it on on restaurants in Copenhagen and how they've been devastated by what's going on. And he kind of just draws this picture of when that when that uh, dish is put in front of you, you go back like that is ten years of a chef's experience that has just gone mm-hmm. into that one meal. Mm-hmm. That's and I, and it's the same with a beer in a glass, like when that beer gets put in front of you that's not just been brewed after that's all the experience of everyone in that brewery putting their ideas together to formulate all the trials and tribulations that have gone with it into that glass and i think that's a pretty beautiful thing i don't know it is it is you know and you know and and, and to to that same point too it's like you know if you have a waiter right you at a restaurant and a waiter comes over to you you know and they 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 got your plate and they drop it in front of you and like here go your fish and you know and, and they walk away and you start eating it and you're like, this is good. You know, like, all right, you know, fish is good, you know, but the, <laughs> but the waiter that comes over and he drops that plate over, he's like, good evening, sir. I believe you're the one who ordered this pan seared Chilean sea bass. And on the side here, you have a uh, lightly steamed, steamed fennel. And uh, we actually took the fennel and that's from a garden in such and such, and such. And that's why it's on your plate because we, we trust this farmer. And then over here on this side, you have these potatoes. And these potatoes are actually grown in such and such and such. And those are lightly poached potatoes. And we just have a little brown butter on the side. And I'll, I'll let you enjoy that and walk away. Like before you even, you know, like go to dig in, you're thinking, damn. There's a whole story. I don't do this, you know, yeah. like, and, it's, and, and beer is the same way, you know, yeah. it's like you pour somebody a pint of beer and sit it in front of them and, it, and the beer can be great, you know, but the story behind that beer and the connectivity behind that beer, the knowledge behind it, you know, it increases the overall experience. And uh, I think that's what I love. That's what you love, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you do such a great job at not only portraying that, you know, in conversation and experience, but the the picture component man the way you tell stories with pictures is like phenomenal and, <laughs> Thanks, and I've, I've i've been so fortunate you know to get to be, to be on the other end to, of the to camera, be my muse <laughs> to be your muse uh, <laughs> is, is that man sometimes you know literally people like the message is that send comments and make comments about the photos and they're like yo like like these are great photos and i'm like bro i wish i took them i'm just i'm just i just have friends very talented friends with with cameras but that know, was and, i guess that was an expression of like I, like again, I don't brew the beers, so like trying to present what I think is an incredible product in the best possible way. So that was just through trying to learn photography, and I think that most breweries, I think it was quite a slow game, but I think pretty much most breweries now that that are, are doing good stuff have got that angle covered because they understand that like you're going to brew this incredible beer that looks absolutely like. I think a hazy beer in a glass is a thing of beauty. I know this is ultimate geeking out for people that aren't like, but um, so you've got to make that, you've got to present that and you've got to tell that story of that beer. Um, 
And I think, you know, when you've got people like Alagash who are just so incredible, at it, but they're telling the whole story of a state. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, that, that was just a, a kind of ode to the work that was going in behind the scenes. I felt like I had to do in front of the scenes uh, to push that forward. Absolutely, man. And you, and you do a great job at it, brother. You tell, you tell a beautiful story. And that's what, and that's like, listen, you guys are, you know, everyone, you know, it's funny because like, you know, when, when I mentioned the brewery and I mentioned track, I come up and I, I'm in a live and somebody says, oh, UK breweries. And, and, and I mentioned you guys, you know, they're like, everyone always assumes, oh, they're, they're new. It must be like the new kids and, and, and on the block. And then when they realize that you guys have like been, been steady and doing the thing consistently for, you know, a long time, it's like, oh, okay. Like, they're not like the new what's hot, what's now, you know, these, these guys are not going anywhere. And, uh, you guys are primed for, for, for huge expansion, man. If you can. But yeah, I mean, the expansion thing is an interesting conversation itself, but I I watched a little, uh, or was it the interview you did? And you were saying when you were parked up in Brooklyn, so Finback are going to open this incredible new site in Brooklyn, which is a distillery dumpling house, coffee roaster bar, um, and brewery, and you were saying that you were set up there, and people were like, "Oh, you're a new brewery, you guys." Yeah. And you're like, "Right here in the right <laughs> here in the state, you know, it's, it blows my mind how many people come up to us and to grab cans to go right now, and they're like, "Oh man, you so you guys are new?" And it's like, "No, we're not new. You know, this is our second location." Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm a big beer fan. Oh, I, I drink the other half in threes all the time. It's like how. Can you live in the state of New York, mm-hmm. con- consider yourself a craft beer drinker, and you go to other half and threes, but you have no clue like who Finback is. Threes has our beer on tap. Quite <laughs> you know, it's like, so, but it, it, it just shows you how big and how many people are here but in that's, New York. But that's where, where I think the conversation comes in, because if that person hasn't had a conversation about that, that Finback beer, they're just going to try yeah. it and they might go. But like, he won't latch on to it. He can go we, to, you go to a random bar and mm-hmm. you can drink a beer and enjoy it, but unless you have a connectivity to it in one in one ear out the other you know in one beer out the other you know it's- yeah and i think that you know we all we are also we live this every day and there's a time when you, you poke your head out of the bubble of what you're doing and you realize we're tiny we don't make a dent in what like if you stop someone in manchester and said do you know who tracker or cloudwater i'd say like one in ten might and then the rest would just be like Psh. You know, because it's not everyone's thing, um, and it's and I think that's why people who like it really like it because it feels mm-hmm. a little bit like their own thing, um, and they can create a community around it, and there's a closeness to it that I said it to you uh, um, when we were at uh, Interborough about how it makes it the world a lot smaller. Like if you walk into a bar that serves good beer, they're probably going to know someone that you know. I actually, I actually have your quote. <laughs> I saved that because I was this is my David on, Brent moment of uh, I was gonna I was gonna use it on Instagram one day. Let me let me find your quote here. Uh, let me see where we got you. I definitely remember that quote, so I'm gonna have to one second. I remember this. I, I do remember that moment. It was so it was so not to say it was like so profound, but it was so honest and it was exactly why we do what we do. We were all wearing togas and eating grits. So so the quote was, beer makes the world a whole lot smaller, but in all the best ways. That was was your quote. I I must have been drunk. 
<laughs> That's the only profoundness that comes out. You had your eyes were really glassy, and you were looking at. Me. I, I don't so know that was it. that was the end of our our New York <laughs> trip, which was which was not definitely not the best state by that time. Nah, it was a good time, and you had a good time. I mean, it's just it was, a, it's it just was New York. You know, it's just you know you're you're you, you know in in the Manchester streets, you're very calm, and you, you 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 know you like to have a good time, but you you know you like to keep it real in and. Being over here in New York, you know, we're animals, man. And just, it was just, brewery hospitality. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was killer. But let's dive, like, let's kind of dive into a little bit, like, what is happening right now and how this is going to shape your beauty. Because we've always, as British brewers, looked at the American model and been kind of just totally in awe of it and just been like, wow, just like people just walk up to the brewery, they buy direct direct cash flow, like small distribution maybe, but the tap room center, um, mm-hmm. they can really focus on the product. Uh, they can be more experimental um, and not have to worry about big time lags with payments and stuff. And then as I had more conversations with people from the States, I realized that this isn't like choice almost. It's like you have to, to stay alive, you have to, because the distribution laws are so strict per state. And when a distributor kind of picks you up, they own you. That's your brand you give mm-hmm. to them that you, you you don't have the rights to how yeah. that be is tri- uh, yeah. treated so this that has happened we, we were having a brief conversation before we kind of came came into the interview about mm-hmm. you guys have only just been allowed to start doing like beer online and, and so so uh you know the the laws here in the U. so there's multiple tiers here uh the system in the in the u.s in america is is it varies state by state but it's it's you know there are federal laws in place and then there are state laws in place and you know unlike unlike you guys where um you have like you know that like the laws in, in i guess it's very similar to the way the laws in you know the in, in in the uk you know might be a little different from the laws in ireland and, and are different from the laws in sweden and, and so if you take that that country ap- approach and how the mm-hmm. laws are different in different countries and you bring that and you put that in the united states the laws are different state to state yeah. so you know um you know prior to this you know it's like you're not allowed to sell direct to consumer um shipping right yeah so like how you guys you you know oh we're releasing this beer we're putting our online store we sell it and then boom we ship it out the next day mm-hmm. or, or the same day like we're not we were not allowed to do that and it just was not a part of our business model or part of the business model uh, of of the majority of breweries here uh, in the U.S. and then to speak here in New York, you know our, our business model had been taproom. You know, and we want people to come to the taproom and get beer. We do a very small distro to like key, you know, craft beer bars and bottle shops and stuff like that. But for the most part, we want people to have to come to the breweries to buy the beer. And then uh, when you know this COVID situation, it you know shut the taprooms down. Um, they put a provision uh in place they put a provision in place to allow us to ship direct to consumer mm-hmm. um which has been a game changer you know it, it took a lot of work we turned it around pretty quickly you know turned yeah. it around a little little less than a week uh and now we're able to both ship direct to consumer in, within new york state and then deliver direct to consumer to new york state so oh, right and now, that was done at a governmental level. Like they they changed the law to to allow yeah, they that changed the law because they realized that it was going to yeah. So states ultimately the states were allowed to modify their laws to mm-hmm. 
So New York being hit is hard and everyone has, you know, shelter in place. So it's like, stay home. Right. So they said, all right, people got to stay home. And you're telling me to stay home, but like, I definitely want to drink. Right. I definitely need to eat, you know, and all these things. So there, they, the restaurants could already do it based on their own premise licenses, but they just, just wasn't a thing for them. But for us, it was like, all right, well, um, if we can now ship direct to people, then all right, then that's going to help us make up for what we're losing in the tap room and what we're losing yeah. from the bars being closed and and do all that. And you know, it it, it we we you know what we we did it as an alternative, and it has really caused us to kind of have to take a step back and like look at our business model because it's you know I love and, and you, you and I joke about this all the time. I love the fact that if I love Sonoma, you know, and and it, the new batch is is canning up, I can put my order in. And it's going to show up on my doorstep and I don't have to worry about it. And I yeah. think that the UK, you know, is spending as much time over there as I spend, you know, and, and being so involved and engaged over there. You know, I, I, you kind of get to that point where it's like, yo, this is like, uh, why would I want to go out, wait two hours or three hours in a line to buy some beer? You know, and then I'm only going to be allowed to buy a certain amount and I got to go home, you know, and like, like, so, so, and, and I did it, you know, I did the lines before I started working for a brewery, you know, I did all the lines. I was in it. I understood the hype. I, like, I get it. But then it's like, at a certain point you get to a, a, a certain level of craft beer consumer where you're like, all right, I get it. I want to drink what I want to drink. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're sitting home on your TV, you know, and you scrolling through the channels, you know, you, you pay for the channels that you want to pay for and you watch what you want to watch, you know? And I feel like, uh, the way society, you know, is becoming on demand, you know, and I want to have what I want to have. And, and I think that craft beer here was a little behind on that front. Cause it's like, you know, it, it, and yes, we want to drive business to the tap rooms, but I personally would love as many people that want to try Finback beer as if we have a, a, enough beer to do it. As I want as many people who want to try it to try it. Yeah. You know now. Now totally. yes, there's only a certain amount that we have as a finite amount. So once it's gone, it's gone until we brew it again. The same thing with you guys. And once you make a batch of beer, and once it sells out, it's going to be gone until the. But but if you're somebody that's paying attention and you you your mission is to get your hands on some Finback, you should be able to do it. You shouldn't have to go through you know, a third party or a trader or, or, or someone else to, to, to kind of get your hands on it if you don't have to, you know, and, uh, it's, it, at least not in your home state. Yeah. You know, I mean, the I system, get- the system has been totally broken apart, like just a, a hammer smashed, you know, and, yeah. and now it has to rebuild in its own way. And, and that, when I, when I heard that, and when we came to New York and we're talking about this and I was just like, fuck, that's so insane that you guys can't just like deliver that beer directly to the, to the person who wants it and you yep. have to spin through all these laws and give up your, and you give your whole there. brute, like give your whole kind of identity away to someone. Away. Yep. Um, and, and we were very, and we were lucky because, um, you know, Basil and Kevin had the foresight, you know, to, you know, in, in we, to self distro, you know, and you got mm-hmm. a lot of breweries in New York that say, all right, they signed these distribution deals. And now and for anyone that doesn't know, like driving in New York, I don't know how your delivery drivers, yeah i've done i've done i've done a handful of days in the truck it's not fun yeah traffic is the worst i mean everything oh. is i mean it, but right now you know i promise you this has been beautiful like normally it would take like 45 50 minutes to go from our queen's location to our brooklyn location driving yeah like Right now, it's like 22 minutes, like door to door driving. There's no traffic anywhere. Everyone's still on the streets. Like, I hope that, like, some of this, like, some good, some more good comes out of this where it's just less people out. Like, if mm-hmm. I don't need to really, like, like, 
go out and be like, yes, people still have the need to get out and do stuff. But if, 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 if there's less people on the train and there's less people on the roads and it's less, then that's a good thing, you know, because like, like pollution is going to go down. And, you know, like there's so many other things that are probably like stress levels will go down. And I remember riding the train every morning, like going to work when I was working in the restaurant business. Yo, one of the most depressing places to be in New York City in the morning time or any time is on the subway uh, during the commute. a commute oh. in the morning. People are like, like, like everyone you look at is like, oh, it's so bad. I mean, Manchester's, so Manchester's nowhere near the size or, or like scope of New York. They but... hate people just, it's like they're hating life. It's like, I'm mad I had to get yeah. up, get out of work, and get out of bed, and I got to go to work. And now I got to be on this train with all these other people. And there's one lady who's doing her makeup, and another dude is like eating his sandwich, and another people is painting their nails. Mm. And then some dude's really loud on the phone. And it's like, it's just like the most depressing, like, 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 place to be it's beautiful in a sense because it's like in doses it's like oh man this is what new york's about it's so alive but on every single day basis it's like bro like i, I this is an, i just need some room you know and i think that you know everyone's had a chance to step back and like take a breather and realize like like sometimes we like moving way too fast and doing way too much well new york is the good. city it's sometimes it's good yeah. to just stay home yeah, sit back, you know, so, and and, and, that's, so and I think the, it's been a, it's been it's been good to like take it easy for a little bit. So have the breweries kind of thrived, or are they are they survival mode, or is it kind uh, of? I would say that I would say that New York, we're we're in, we're very grateful and we're in a very yeah. good situation because of how many people are here mm-hmm. and how supportive the beer community is because like people are this whole situation has not curved people's drinking. And then you say work from home, you know, work from home, work from home looks like, you know, being able to work from home looks like I get up at 12 o'clock or eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And I put, I take my laptop out and I also reach in my fridge and I grab a beer. I'm working at home. Nobody's watching. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to drink a 16 ounce can of double IPA, you know, at, In your pants. At, at my job, but I'm home, you know, and no rules. And I think it's also increased people's productivity. You know, it's yep. like I'm home drinking beers. I'm working, I'm relaxed. I'm in a good environment, but it has not curbed people's drinking habits. And, you know, we, we are very fortunate. I'm so grateful. And I can't speak, I can't say enough about how grateful I am for the beer community here. They, they, they have been, they have been amazing. And, and the support has been overwhelming of how much they have like rallied around us. And, you know, people come and you see like people buy beer online from us and they like little messages. Hey man, you guys stay safe. Be well. We love you so much. Yeah. Like, you know, here and like people have been tipping very well. And it's just so many, you know, and I mean, you know, we shipping through UPS and, you know, like, you know, a couple of our boxes get damaged because like, you know, I saw the, the, the postal system there in the U.S. is nothing, nothing like, I mean, excuse me, in the U.K., you guys are polite. You know, you guys, <laughs> you guys man, he's walking a package. Here you go, here's a box. You know, here, over here, it's like, bam, you know, kicking it up. You know, it's like, so these boxes are getting beat up. Then you get people like, hey, just so you guys know, it's like no big deal. But like, you know, like. A couple of my cans are like were, were arrived and was super beat up and super damaged. I know it's not you guys' fault, but just want to let you guys know: stay safe, be well. I'm gonna order again next week. You oh, know, it's been, it's just been it's been it's been great, man. It just lets me know that I'm I'm in the right industry. When when the people have rallied around us like they have, man, I, I think it's like super grateful. And and I'm just thinking of ways that I can as many ways as I can say thank you um, as possible, man. That's the plan, you know, moving yeah. forward. Well, we're, we're powered by the people, and like I think yeah, you man. exemplify that kind of, um, you know, when you're at the beer festivals and when you're around people, and you, I think we're pretty similar in it's the regard that like people give us the energy to carry on doing what we're doing. Like, 
it doesn't excite me to think that that beer is going to be drunk mm-hmm. by one person. It excites me because people are going to gather, they're going to talk about it, and they're going to, you know, criticize it, or they're going to enjoy it, and they're going to connect with other people through it. And that's the same in the taproom environments that we, and festivals. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I love, and that's the thing that I hope we can, you know, it's it's all digital at the moment, hence us doing this. Mm-hmm. But it's I hope we can get back to that place so again. So I think that, you know, what, what, what I'd love to come from this is just speaking about the knowledge of the UK and, and what things are in the U S I think that I would love for like, like I want, I want the taproom culture. And I think it's coming. I think the, the UK is, is catching on to the taproom culture, like people wanting to be in a taproom and drinking beer and being out. And I think that like you, you guys need to like grow in that area from the taproom experience side and, and the U S we need to grow in the direct to consumer side. The, yeah. the, the root side and i think that the balance is like being right in the middle like i want to have an amazing taproom experience but i want i also want someone who wants to just sit on their couch and have a beer to be able to enjoy it yeah, they shouldn't have right. to come out you know and 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 and, and put themselves in environments that they, that might not be you know the best for them you know and you know how it is you know certain places you want to go to is like we leave a beer festival the last place we want to go at a beer festival is like some crazy crowded spot where you know we can like but if i could sneak off and be in a little quiet area and just like have a couple pints and, and a couple cast beers and like just chill out and that's the that's the way to the way to go and you know even even that if it i've been in crap beer almost two years now working in, in the working capacity. But, you know, last year, early last year, when, when I started making my first trips for work to the UK, like I still was at a point was of like, why would anybody want to drink room temperature or like cask beer? Like, why would anybody want to drink that? Beer is supposed to be drink cold and like, should <laughs> be that. Yeah. Yes. But it's like, why would anybody want to drink warm beer, room temperature? Why would anybody, like, that doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, it, <laughs> goes, back to the theme, it goes back to the theme of the show, man, because, but to drink your really, really well executed good cask beer is phenomenal, and it's yeah. exactly what the beer drinking experience is supposed to be. But I was you so guys, naive. It, it's so funny because I think that I was sold cask beer back by Americans. I kind of like I'd put it to the side. I mean, we'd always done Sonoma, and I always enjoyed it. And you know, I'm from like a little town in Yorkshire, which was very, mm-hmm. very cascale like driven, but you guys coming over and how excited and, and and then kind of realizing the heritage that goes into that uh, was a kind of revelation almost, you know, you kind of neglect something and then someone shines a light on it and you go, Oh, Holy shit. This is pretty cool. Actually. Like yeah, this man. is, it, it, there's nowhere else in the world that does it. And and when it's done well, it's incredible. And it, sitting it, in pubs I, is fucking ace. So <laughs> it's the move. let's hope I'm we can get back to me, that. Man. Every time I'm over in the UK now, Manchester bro is, is, so no more cast. Like, that's what I want. Give me that. Yes. Like that's all I want. Right. And this now. is why you're on the show. This is the the, the only reason to, to pick yeah. up that beer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, for the final question, we take a moment to ask Anthony his perfect beer. All ingredients at his disposal. Every trick in the brewer's book. Whatever hop combination he can dream up. What's he gonna make? Right, dude. I think we better. We better better land this thing. So I, I was thinking of like a good way to uh, to finish. Okay. And I was thinking maybe if you had any ingredients at your disposal, uh, any hops, any malts, any yeasts, what you brewing? Wow, damn, that's a good one. Oh, <laughs> alrighty. Um, you can go got, into as as much detail or as little detail. I got one. I got one for okay. you too after this. But um, right now. 
Damn. And all right, is this a beer for the masses, for the beer community? Just for you. Just for you. It's like one bottle that's just going to sit there on a table and you're going to crack it. Damn. All right. I think (laughs) I should, I'll give the next guests uh, a pre-warning of this so they can, they can have a little thing. I think, I think right now I'm brewing a beer for myself to drink. I want to do about a five percent, five and a half, no more than about five and a half percent brown ale. Really? Yeah. Like a nitro, like a nitro brown ale. Incredible. Like, like, like something just like, like malt forward, but like really sessionable, crushable, you know, notes of chocolate, but mm-hmm. like, like, like just palatable and good, you know? And, and I would say it's either that, that that's probably what I would want right now. Yeah. You know, just where my palate is, cause you don't see enough brown ales. And I was a big Newcastle brown ale fan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I, I, I do, I do really enjoy. I really so you, you want to be that basically Finback will never produce. Is that what you don't, don't be so quick. That's what Brooklyn is about. <laughs> Our Brooklyn location is about doing all these styles. That no, we I know could, you can do the smaller scales. Yeah. We, we couldn't do a 60 barrel batch of brown ale. No. You know, but, you know I, which I'm still trying to figure out how Dea did that huge batch of English best bitter. Like, how'd they pull that off? Yeah, cask. The, if you get it into cask, people will drink it. It goes that they, mm. they love it here. But yeah, that, that was awesome and, and totally unexpected as well. I wasn't expecting you to go down that route. Yeah, well, see, listen, I thought you were going to say Strata. Something with Strata, I was like, he's going to go. Strata's a great hop right now. I really do enjoy yeah. Strata. So like, I mean, but I, but if I was going to make a beer for myself, I w- it's not going to be an IPA. I drink so yeah. much IPA, you know, but uh, I got a question for you. Go on. Um, if you could take any beer that you've had before mm-hmm. from any brewery, um in your in your craft beer journey mm-hmm. and make it better make it better make it better holy shit i wasn't expecting you to say that oh um now the only thing i can think of is that like the way that it'd be made but this is gonna be so cheesy but like mm-hmm. it's when you have that beer and you sat by yourself and you're trying it and you're like fuck this is awesome but i'm sharing it with precisely nobody right now mm-hmm. so i think having a beer like that with good people around you mm-hmm. rather than going into the ingredients thing uh, that is a way and i can't think of the exact one i remember having like a a red wine barrel aged uh barley wine once and that was just so awesome. And you just kind of want to share it with everyone and get everyone to try red it. Wine, a red wine, barrel aged barley wine. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah, it was awesome. What's your favorite style of beer? I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. What's your favorite uh, style? This, uh, you've, you've, you've flipped this. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Um, hey, man, my bad. <laughs> it's all good. Right now, I know this is like probably so cliche, but like I'm just giving crisp lagers. All day. All day long. All day. I mean, the sun's out a little bit here and it just feels just so refreshing to have that. All day long. Bro, man, we, listen, we, we, we've, I think we released the first time in the last two weeks. It's the first time I think we've ever released three different loggers in a week's yeah. time. And are people totally going for it? 
No, we can't keep it in house. <laughs> That's amazing. You got to send me some. I got you. I, I definitely got you. I think it's because people are just drinking more. Oh, home. we got one catchphrase in there as well. I, I totally forgot to highlight that. That I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I definitely do, man. I definitely do. But uh, lager, man. I, I trust me. Lagers all day long. Yeah, all day long. That's why next time you come over here, uh, we'll have to make that trip up to Suarez. Yes, and definitely. Have to do some lager drinking because they they kind of like you know that's our goal, man. If we can, if we can like. If we can like continue to improve our lager program and like take the time to 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 brew what we want and to brew beers that beer people want to drink, yeah. you know, and and I think that you know that's the kind of that brewers beer kind of kind of area. I think that that is like where I would I would say Finback would would put a lot of attention, you know, in, in the future is like you know we want to like we we're not drinking double IPAs and stouts and sours all day mm-hmm. long. Drinking lagers and you know we're doing things like this where we're hanging out with our buddies and and that's what we want to drink. We want that durability, that 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 crushable beer that's gonna can go that allow us to go to distance. And I think lager is the future, man. Yeah. Well, uh, that it's feels like a, that feels that feels like a good place to to finish it. Absolutely. But Anthony, right. honestly, dude, thank you so much for being my guinea pig. I couldn't have uh, thought of a better person to do this for the first time. We did it. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of The Thirst Time. I've been your host, Stephen Melbourne. The show is a project of ours at Track Brewing Co. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Anthony for being such a great guest, and we really hope you enjoyed it. And see you next time. Stay thirsty.